Thank you so much, Joshua. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. Colossians chapter 3 um, in your Bibles tonight. And I mentioned already we're going to be looking at the, the subject of affections. And uh, it's plural in our text for tonight. That's why I just put affections. Well, actually, it's, it's singular in our text. So probably should have said affection. Um, Colossians chapter 3 and um, verses 1 through 4. And we'll read that much. We'll pray. And then get into the message for tonight. All right. And uh, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Setting your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank thee tonight for the privilege that we have of being here, and we thank thee for the freedom that we have, and that we could sing these hymns tonight, and uh, have on the theme of affection and love, and and uh, just yielding ourselves, our lives to the Lord, and asking him to fill our minds and hearts in, in, in the spiritual sense to be our vision. Thank thee for the word of God that teaches us everything that we need to know in order to live for thee in this life and to be prepared for the life to come. And so help us tonight by the Holy Spirit, we use the word of God to work in our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So our issue for tonight is affection, as the word is used in Colossians 3.2. And it is one thing that is obvious in these verses, just these three verses, um, Christ is mentioned four times in these four verses. And so he is preeminent in this text as well as he is throughout the New Testament, especially all throughout Scripture. He's there, and certainly he is worthy and the book of Colossians is the same place where it says in chapter 1 that God the Father, um, his plan and his will is that in all things he, that is Christ, might have the preeminence. He's the head of the church. He, and uh, there's several things. You know, he's the savior, the head of the church, savior of the body, the shepherd of the sheep. Um, he's the vine. And he provides all that we need to live for the Lord here and, of course, our life for eternity. And so he's worthy. Now the Bible uses this word affection there in verse 2. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And actually the, the word that is used here is actually set affection on is the word phoneo. It's one word. And it's, um, it means, the, the idea of the word is to think, to regard to hold an opinion, to set one mind, set one's mind on, and that's the idea here. Um, we think of affection as more kind of a feeling, you know, a fuzzy feeling, but that's not. It's the idea of of regarding, holding an opinion, setting one's mind on. Focus is a word that would that we would say today. Um, Vine's dictionary of the New Testament also says that this word phoneo carries with it the idea of moral interest and reflection. And so it's referring to that which we give the most attention to or that which is most important to us. That's the idea. What we think
take on, uh, what we reflect on. Now, the very and, and really, the Bible in both the Old Testament and New Testament uh, uses the word meditate, and meditate is a word that fits in with setting affection on. It's what we think about. Um, it's what we occupy our mind with, and it is what we meditate on. Um, and so. And I'm, I'm really, I'm amazed, and I'm not sure it's a great thing, but I'm amazed at, like, three-year-olds that know how to man- manipulate a computer um, or a cell phone. Three, four-year-old kids that already know how to turn it on, get the games, do whatever they want. And, you know, um, and it's really what we set our mind on. You know, you have children that are diagnosed with all these disorders because they can't pay attention in class, but they can spend four hours at a video game and never their eyes never leave the screen. So there's something there's something there. There's something more than you know just diagnosing and putting on some medication to make zombies out of them. You know, it's there's it's what we like to do. All right. Um, by the way, when I was in school, I think we all had that disorder. We knew what but, but we knew, right? Didn't you when you went to school? Maybe, maybe all your teachers commanded your total respect and attention. Well, when I was in school, we knew what teachers we could pay attention to and which ones we didn't have to, right? It's amazing how all of a sudden our attention span got really good in certain classes, especially the ones that our teacher would take one of these panels about four feet long and he'd stand it next to his desk. And that, that was amazing. What a... That was better than any pill, I'll tell you. But, but anyway, but it's the same, it's the same with everybody. Same with everybody. You know, um, and I'm, I don't mean this mean, but I was talking to a guy one time. Chris, he's in heaven now. He told me he couldn't learn, he could not memorize scripture. He couldn't learn verses. And one Sunday after church, he's telling me in detail a two-hour movie that he watched the night before. So it's really, it's what we set our mind to. So that's the idea of the message tonight. And so, um, in this passage, I see four things in these verses that are involved in proper affection. Um, It is realizing our position, number one. It is a pursuit, number two. A prospect, number three. And a putting to death. And we're going to go through these from this passage. Then when we get to the part about putting to death, we're going to go down beyond verse five, verse 4 into some of the verses that follow that. So, number one, we need to realize our position. Paul starts right out. He says this, if he then be risen with Christ. So that's our position. If we're believers, and really the, the idea of the word if, you know, we use the word if today mostly in a hypothetical way. But in the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, the word if has the idea of since, or because you have been risen, or the idea, if truly you have been risen with Christ. Now, and we understand that risen with Christ is another, another word for salvation, or it's another term to explain our salvation. But let me take, this, take a little couple thoughts here about being risen with Christ. Right? Obviously, risen is the idea here of resurrection. Risen from the dead is the idea here. Right? Jesus died, was buried, rose again, went back to heaven. So the fact that the scripture says we're risen with Christ implies that we were dead. All right? It implies spiritual death. And what we were? Dead in trespasses and sins. Right? Ephesians 2.1 You had the quickened who were dead trespasses and sins. And then Galatians 2.20, it says, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. 
And as the word that that I that am am crucified is a is a Greek grammar that is real. That English doesn't really have anything to match it. So uh, most of the new new translations, new English translations, say I was crucified with Christ or I have been crucified with Christ. But that doesn't really get it. The, the grammar of that am crucified is the sense of something that took past, that happened in the past with continuing effect. So in other words, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ because I was crucified with him when he died. I am still crucified with him and I'll continue to be crucified with him as long as I live. And so therefore, and he taught on the crucified life. And we're not going to take a, get into that as such tonight. But, basically, when Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, he was referring to his old self and old life. That when Christ died, he died, and, and we died. We died with him. Right? That's a very, very important concept. Death to self. Right? You don't hear a lot about that in these days because modern day Christianity has become just about like the world well it's all about me it's all about self although the word of God is all about him and we are to put to death ourselves so our position is we have we died with Christ now and then we are risen so it involves it implies spiritual death and it involves new life so we are risen with Christ to a new life in Christ and with Christ. Now, I want to re- just turn back with me for a second to Romans chapter number 5, a figurative second. Um, and we're going to read a couple of verses. I just want to read this. Um, and um, this whole passage, Romans 5 and Romans 6, just so amazing. Um, I've been working on re- memorizing Romans chapter 6 because it's such a, a wonderful chapter of the Word of God that really gives this, this position that we have in Christ. And Romans 6 is all about making our, our practice line up with our position. Right? So we're going to start back in chapter 5, <clears throat> in verse 20. Moreover, the law entered, that the offense might abound. Paul sets forth a fascinating thing that the, the, the law actually makes people sin. It, 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 it just because the law says, don't do it, our flesh says, I'm going to do it. All right? So the law entered that the offense might abound. So sin, in other words, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I love that song. One of these days we'll drag that out and we'll sing it. Where sin abounded, remember? Grace abounded more. Oh, what a, what a wonderful song. Grace did much more abound that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life, by Jesus Christ our Lord. And then into chapter 6. No break in the, in, the, in the narrative. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Another false teaching that had arisen was it's okay for us to sin because the more we sin, the more grace we'll get. That's foolish, not, not, not a right philosophy. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Today the idea is we'll do, do whatever we please. They don't even care. They don't think about grace. God forbid. Literally, that means never let it once happen. But how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? 
Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Now that's talking about spirit baptism, baptism by the Holy Spirit. Which, by the but, this is this passage right here, um, <clears throat> verses 4 and 5. Water baptism is a marvelous picture, perfect picture of what this verse is talking about spiritually, right? Therefore, we are buried. Again, that's one of those verbs again that talks about something that took place in the past with continuing effect. We, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. So the first, the first thing, and you know that when a person is baptized in water, and everybody here has been, by immersion, I hope, yes, um, you know, buried, buried in the likeness of his death. Raised in the likeness of his resurrection. See? So that's what the Holy Spirit, when he baptizes us, he baptizes us into death. That is, he identifies us with the death of Christ. That, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And that's what Paul's talking about in Colossians. Risen with Christ. Old life dead, buried, new life. We're, we're going to walk in a new life, right? Um, we should walk <clears throat> in this life. In verse 5, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Right? And that's talk that's past, not, I mean that's present, not future. It's because it says, knowing this, verse 6, that our old man, that is the, our old life, our old self, the person we were, is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. The life of sin, the whole, the whole realm of sin would be destroyed. That is put out of commission. Right? We, under, we realize that our old nature is not annihilated, but the idea of being destroyed is to be rendered useless and rendered inactive. So that's what that's what we are. That's our position in Christ. So back, let's go back to Colossians. Um, so that's our position. Number two, there's a pursuit. Um, Colossians chapter three. The pursuit is this. Again, starting in verse number one, Colossians three one. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. All right. Seek is an interesting word as well. Now, you know, there, you have the word, you know, English words like see. You have the English word look. And then you have the English word seek. And seek, obviously, is more intense than either see or, or just look. So the word seek here means to look for to seek out, to try to obtain, to desire to possess, to strive for. All those definitions of the word that's translated seek. Those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. This refers to heavenly things, spiritual things, eternal things, the things of Christ. So notice, so the idea of our, of our seeking and of our, our focus is where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. In other words, the things of heaven. 
and spiritual things, right? Because we have we haven't been physically re- resurrected yet. We will be, but we have been spiritually resurrected. In fact, the same Paul, the same Apostle Paul, in Ephesians said that he's made us sit together in heavenly places. And in Philippians, our conversation, which is the idea of our citizenship, our conduct, our life, is in heaven. Right? So the Christian life is an awkward focus. It's an awkward life. It's focused on Christ and on the things of, of things which are above. Now certainly the word above means in position or height, but it also means in importance. The things of heaven are above the things of earth in importance and value and all those kinds of things. All right? And then he says, then verse 2, set your affection. Again, that's the idea of, 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 of regarding to, to set our mind upon. All right? and, and, and realize that there are, you know, it doesn't matter how old we are or young we are, if we're a Christian, um, we have things that compete for our attention. The world is always wanting our attention and our affection. So whether a person is eight years old or 88 years old and they know the Lord, there's always going to be those that attraction. Now in America, I don't know, I suppose other countries too, but in America, here, you know, this is the thing that we're supposed to do, right? People my age, um, you know, um, we're supposed to retire and we're supposed to travel, right? We're supposed to spend four months in Florida and, and the rest of the time up here and, and a lot of people do that. Even Christians do that without a second thought. They go to Florida in the winter. Now, is that, is that what we're supposed to do as, as believers? So, you see, we have to watch that because even, like I can say that, you know, I'm going to retire tomorrow, I'm going to just I'm going to travel, I'm going to enjoy. You know, I don't think that's, I really don't think that's what God really would want us to do in, in most situations. Now, if a person can go down there for three or four months and they can get involved in a good church and they can continue to serve the Lord, um, then that's okay, I guess. But uh, we're not supposed to retire from serving Christ. Right? Um, so we reach a certain age, 62, whatever, 65, 70, whatever. Um, that's no reason for us to say, okay, I'm done. I'm done with serving the Lord. I'm going to just, you know. And so there's, so that's a, that's a thing that can be a stumbling block, if you will, to, to, to people of retirement age. Okay. Now, that's something that was kind of invented by our by our society. Um, again, there's nothing wrong with retiring from a job. Um, some people can't. Um, you know, it's just all. But you know, it's it's all it's all depends on the individual. And uh, some people, for you know, health reasons, they can't serve the Lord like they did. You know, that sort of thing. But just watch out for what we what, what we pursue. You know, in our life, what is the goal of my life? Well, I want to attain a certain level of financial possessions and then I can just take it easy. Wait, but wow, who said that in the Bible? (laughs) 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 I have much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. You know what God said? (laughs) Tonight. (laughs) That's it. Your life's over. (laughs) And that's how we're supposed to live. All right? So anyway, so... It doesn't matter. And of course, you know, younger people have goals in their lives. And, a lot, and again, if our, if our minds are not fixed on the Lord, we can, we can get goals for ourselves 
that are out of what God would have us to have and to be in our life. All right. And again, I, I don't. God does obviously. God does not call every Christian to be a pastor or a missionary or an evangelist. But I believe with all my heart that God wants every Christian to be willing. All right. That if you want me to, if well, I want, I'll do whatever your will is. All right. Now, so <clears throat> there's a pursuit. Um, set your affection on things above. You know, let our, fo- our mind be focused on those, not on things on the earth. Right? Now, the Bible tells us that, um, for example, in 1 Corinthians, Paul exhorted the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 as using the world, but not abusing it. In other words, not giving it too much attention, not enjoying it too much. And so the world can be, I mean, the things in the, some of the things in the world, and we've talked about that already, possessions, money, so on, they can be tools to help us serve God. All right? um, for many, many years, the United States of America has been by far the world leader in sending out missionaries. Okay, And, that, and that's the way it ought to be. You know, it used to be England. Well, there's nothing, basically nothing in England anymore. And, you know, America is kind of, we're heading that way because I hear reports from all, everybody I talk to, mission agencies, that we just don't have the missionaries that we used to have. And the, the numbers can be quite scary. Um, you know, for every, there's hardly anybody replacing the, the older missionaries that die or can't do it anymore, you know, that sort of thing. And but we, so, but we need to be, we need to be willing to do whatever God um, would have us to do and to put him first. So not on things on the earth. So I said that to, to say we can use what we have to serve the Lord. If we don't, we're just going to one day go to heaven and it's going to be left all behind. Somebody else will get it. And yet Jesus said, you know, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. So we can't take it with us, but we can send it on ahead. And um, again, we can one of the, one of the focuses of the Word of God regarding that we talked about last week, last Sunday night, where Jesus told his disciples to make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. That is worldly possessions. Use what we have, invest it, if you will, in the lives of others, in the lives of the unsaved. All right, and use what we have. All right, and. That's the best thing to do. That's what, you know, <clears throat> God gives us what we have and he expects us to use it for him. Um, we looked at that verse in Proverbs where it says, honor the Lord with thy substance. That means all our possessions and the first fruits. That's your tithe and offering, okay? So it's the principle of the word of God is not you give God the ten, whatever. You give God the tithe and offering, the rest is mine. That, that's not. The biblical principle. The principle of the Bible is it's all God's. And he has loaned us, you know, he's entrusted us with certain things. So, it's not wrong, I don't think it's wrong for a person to pray for God help me, you know, prosper me so that I can help others. And there's all kinds of things in there. You know, it also has the idea of living a type of, I mean, a life where we're not constantly struggling to have somehow find enough money to have the level of life we want. That's again, that's the that's America, but it's not the Bible, right? But use what we have for God. Now, um, 
So set your affection on things above. I don't think we're not going to finish this whole message tonight. That's fine. We'll finish this part. Um, so, all right. So you say, okay, you said, the Bible says, seek those things which are above. The Bible says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Okay, how do you do that? What are the things that we're to pursue? If we're going to focus on the Lord and set our affection on things above, what is that? How is that going to work out in our lives? All right, I'm glad you asked because I have some things about that. Um, 2 Peter chapter 3, let's go there. One of the things that, that, that we should seek after, again, notice that it says things both times. It says seek those things and set your affection on things above. Okay, What are some of those things? Um, and I've written down a few, and there's, there's probably more, and every one of these could probably branch out. Um, again, some of these are different for every Christian, that is as far as the proportion. Okay? But number one is to um, gain more knowledge of Christ. Learn more of Him. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I realize that sometimes as people get older, and I, that you may sometimes you tend to forget things, but, but, they're, but, they're, but in the spiritual realm... Our goal ought to be to continue to grow. See, there's no age limit put on this. You know, grow in grace and knowledge until you reach 70 or 80. No, there's, no, there's no limit on that. So as long as we live, we should seek to grow and learn more about Christ. And um, I should probably, I don't know if, I, if anybody would be interested, but um, I read this article, and there's like six or seven things a person can do to actually prevent Alzheimer's. And uh, it involves a lot of it just by living a decent life, all right? Don't smoke, don't drink, you know. That, that's, they, that they've proven that those things will prevent and even, you know, prevent, prevent those things, prevent Alzheimer's. And so, uh, you know, be active, be, you know, use your mind, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, you know the old saying, use it or lose it. There's, there's truth to that, even spiritually. Keep on applying, keep on learning. Um, so, more knowledge of Christ. This comes from the Bible, obviously. Read it. The Bible says, read it, meditate upon it, hear it taught and preached, and then proclaim it to others. One of the best ways to learn is to teach. Right? Number two, more communion with Him through prayer. Right? Philippians, very familiar passage. Most of these are. We're going to look at tonight. Philippians chapter 4. More communion with him through prayer. Um, and I would say this, both in time and in intensity, effectiveness, right? fervency. Um, Philippians chapter 4, very familiar verses. Verse 6, be careful. In other words, don't worry, don't be anxious. Full of care for nothing, but in everything by prayer. And supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
So here you, here you have four things right here. Well, how should I pray? What should I pray for? Here's four things. Prayer just simply means talking with God. Supplication is a strong, is like a begging. Thanksgiving is obvious. And requests are obvious, right? So um, the Bible says that, I mean, the Bible lists several things, lots of things that we're supposed to pray for. And so let's remember those and pray. If we don't pray, we're not, we're, I wouldn't put it very bluntly, if we don't pray, we're sinning, right? Because the Bible says pray. Pray without ceasing, First Thessalonians chapter 5. Now also, and it says thanksgiving, I want us to go back to the book of Colossians, but I want us to look at a verse there. More communion with him through prayer. And that also includes um, something else, um, certainly worship, worship we need to spend time worshiping God which is acknowledging his greatness speaking of his greatness and expressing our um, adoration for him and our absolute dependency upon him and, and all those things and then also in Colossians chapter 3 um, by the way if you want a, ver- a, a, ver- a verse worship John 4:24 says God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Two have to go together, right? Truth without spirit is dead. Spirit without truth is heresy, right? There's a lot of heretical worship going on today with the teams and the bands and all that nonsense that, that is going on, right? But then Colossians 3.16. Notice what this is. This is about music. This is about praise, says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And so whether, you know, church tonight, what do we have, 10 people here? Well, there's 10 people or 1,000 people. Um, the emphasis, one of the emphasis in, in church is to be singing to the Lord, all right? And teaching and admonishing that, and that's why you know you can't you can't you can't beat hymns. You just can't, right? Um, and I try to always look through the hymn book, and we pick try to pick hymns that do what it says here. You know, teaching, admonishing. You know, we have hymns that warn, and we sing those, especially at the invitation time. But hymns that exalt the Lord. In fact, psalms are 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 songs of praise, um, accompanied in, in hymns. And spiritual songs are songs of the Spirit, songs that teach um, the Word of God. So it's important that we sing. And we all, whether we have two people here, whatever, we need to sing, all right? And we need to sing with our hearts. We need to sing zealously. Verse 17, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So, so our communion is through prayer, worship, thanks, and praise. And um, I remember years ago at a men's day, a pastor's day, the pastor challenged us about different things. One of the things he said was, he said, ask the question, how often do you sing to the Lord? I'm not, he's not, and he wasn't talking about here. He's talking about as you grow up through our day. Do you, do you find yourself singing or humming or whistling hymns ought to. You see, we should praise the Lord. But this, now I want to, 
I don't want to take the verse out of context. There's other verses that tell us to do that, but this verse is talking about plural. In the King James Version of the Bible, we always use thee and thou is one person, ye, you is a bunch of persons, plural. So he's talking about the corporate body, the corporate. You're called in one body, right above it, it says in verse 15. Be thankful. So it's talking here about corporate singing. It's very important. And um, anyway, we're talking a little bit before church about special music. We try to get some of that going more. Now that we have a couple guys that are playing the piano and stuff, we can, and we have a couple instruments, I, I want to do that. We need to do that. And so um, I'm becoming more and more convinced that we should never let size determine what we do or don't do um, as a local church. But anyway, that's kind of maybe beside the point a little. So then we're going to pursue communion. We're going to look at Romans chapter 6. We're going to pursue, we're going to focus our attention on having victory over sin. All right? That's one of the things that pleases God. That's one of the reasons He saved us. That's one of the reasons why Jesus Christ shed His blood to give us victory over sin. Again, the book of Romans. All right? Book of Romans chapter 6. Um, verse 11. <clears throat> Likewise. All right? Romans 6 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Dead, unresponsive, tuned out to sin. Alive, responsive, tuned in, as it were, to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, you should abandon the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness of the sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And there's he's saying, he's telling the Romans, stop letting your body, your physical body, be used as an instrument of sin, but yield it to God to be used as an instrument of righteousness for, here it is, verse 14, sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Interesting principle. Again, I want to, I'm going to have to teach or preach a message on that. Again, Paul says if you're under the law, you, you, you're just over. You're, going, you're, you're under the control of sin. All right. And of course, that's why that's why God gave it to let people know how sinful they are, so they turn to God. All right. Now, Colossians, Colossians chapter number one, um, victory over sin. Um, that's number three. Number four, more godly living. That should be our pursuit. That should be what we're looking for, striving for, and seeking for. Um, Colossians 7. I mean Colossians 1, sorry. Colossians 1, verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it. That is, Paul heard how they were progressing in Christ. Do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and the spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Right? Um, Godly living. Increasing every good work. Walk worthy. That should be our goal. That should be what we're focused on. Um, Colossians, again, Colossians 3. One of the things that that. God has set before us in the Word of God is that we would fulfill our biblical obligations. Now I'm talking about one particular area, and that's Colossians 3. Let's take a look at it. We already read verse 17. Let's go there. Uh, <clears throat> Whatsoever you do, 
in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, do as he would do. Giving thanks unto the, to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. And the word fit there means proper. So we have several wives here tonight. So if you aren't, if you're not doing that, then you're just you're not fulfilling your obligation. And you're looking at earthly things rather than heavenly. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Um, so obviously the scripture, the tendency, natural tendency for wives is to, is to not submit. And natural tendency of husbands is to be bitter. And God says don't do that. All right? Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And Ephesians adds the thing about about bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The most important thing, what, you know, our part is to, to teach our children to bring them up in the things of God, and then when they grow up, hopefully they're going to stick with it. But, all right? Fathers, servants, 22, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in signals of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the, the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. You see that all these things are involved in serving Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect to persons. And then one more, verse 4, chapter 1. Masters, bosses, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. All right? So you, you basically are familiar with all these. We've, you're in, you've read them in the scriptures. We've preached them. We've taught them. Um, this is this is this is Bible Christianity right here. All right, doing these things. In fact, it's interesting that the Book of Ephesians put, puts it under the, the category of being filled with the Spirit. Right? So that's there needs to be way even more emphasis on that today. I got all right. Two more Colossians. We need to focus on gracious speech. That's something that's above, not natural. Chapter 4, Colossians, verse 5, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time, or use the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Now, there is a, there's a, there is a principle here, an application, where this is talking about our testimony in the world times of persecution like they were going through to know how to answer everybody and so uh, so we ought, we also we want to focus on our words being a testimony for Christ being full of grace and to draw people to him right and then 1 Corinthians 15:58 last verse and we'll stop right here more abundant service more abundant service again um with that, with abundant, you know, um, I'm thinking that abundant here should is also there's the idea of effective, not necessarily more things or doing more is the you know, or, but being more effective. Um, again, there is a philosophy even among Christians that when we reach a certain age, we ought, we need to slow down. And sometimes we might we have to slow down, but I don't discourage 
us. Don't discourage me, all right, by saying maybe you should slow down. Don't don't say that. Don't do that, okay? We shouldn't do that to each other. You know, we, or we should encourage each other to go on, all right? On for the Lord. Verse 58, 1 Corinthians 15. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the word of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So there's seven things that we can focus on. That, and I really believe that this is what the Word of God is talking about when it talks about us setting our affection on things above. All right, that's it. We'll stop there. Let's pray. We'll pick it up here um, with point number three, our prospect, and then go from there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus Christ, our Savior, and all, all the scriptures we read tonight, just about every one of them mentioned Christ by name because he is the example, because he gave his all. He poured it out everything uh, to, be, to purchase our, us, to purchase our salvation, to be our savior, to be our shepherd, to be the head of the church, all the things that he is. And so, Father, help us to follow his steps. Help us in this day in which we live to, to set our affection on things above, to seek those things which are above. Help us, O Lord. Thank you that you've given us the Word of God as our guide to teach us these things. And we thank thee for it. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, closing tonight, hymn number 323, please. 323, let's stand. Um, More love to thee. More love to me. And again, the word that the pen writer is talking about, and that the Bible most speaks about for our love to Christ is that word agape, which is a selfless, sacrificial, spiritual love. Um, and it's not a feeling, it's not an emotion, um, it's a determination to please Him. All right? Um, Let's go ahead and sing off these verses. The verses are, are, are short, but they're, mean, they're very meaningful. All three? So, yeah. What's that? All, did I say three, four? Sorry. Okay. My book's different. Most <laughs> all four. As I was, I was looking at verse three, what I was saying. Um, all four. Maybe we need to slow down.
do thank you, Father, for this beautiful day that you've given us, Father, to be able to worship you in song and to hear your message that you've given us through your pastor. We thank you so much for this pastor, Father. We thank you, Father, for the way that he takes care of us, watches over us as a flock. And Father, we just pray that you would fill our hearts with more love for you and, Father, more devotion to your word. Father, we thank you for all that you provide for us. We thank you and give you thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Pastor.